0: Okay, let's uh, let's dive in because we're running short on time.
1: Okay.
0: Heavenly Father, thank you so much for your Word, for the promises in it, and especially for you, the One who gave it to us uh, as the means by which you've chosen to reveal yourself to us and your grand plan of. Redemption, the purpose of why we are here, where we came from, and where it's all going. Um, we can have settled peace and joy uh, because of these things, because of what you have said. Uh, there are many things in our personal lives and in the world around us that threaten our peace and our joy, and um, if we look at them circumstantially, we just see them at face value. But we thank you that we, um, as Paul says, that we see, um, uh, we don't regard no one according to the flesh anymore. But we look at at this world through eyes of faith, um, and we know some things that inform our viewpoint and that bring uh, peace and joy. Even in the midst of difficult circumstances. Thank you for this conversation, Peter, um, at the end of chapter 13 that we're going to look at this morning, for the example of Peter's uh, descent in pride uh, to the point of denial, his repentance, and then later the witness of his life um, after. The Holy Spirit, and after the resurrection, which shows such a marked contrast and reminds us of Your ability to transform uh, people with like us, with all of our our sin, our pride, our baggage, our our up and down emotional state, that um, You are able to use us in spite of ourselves. thank You for that truth. Drive drive it home to our hearts this morning. I pray in Jesus' name. And bless the service as well, too, with uh, J.P. Mm-hmm. and Eric, as they talk about the camp In Jesus' name. Mm-hmm. Two weeks ago, we looked at um, that second part of our notes there, the second section, the timeline mm-hmm. of Peter's prideful descent into uh, toward his denials. And uh, <clears throat> I just put there sort of the main point was trying to drive home, put that in that little box, Our place of greatest gifting can also be our point of greatest weakness. Peter was used later, as we know, um, by the Lord mightily to be the spokesperson person for the church. Right. And so, you know, roughly the first half of acts is predominantly Peter. Right. And then, uh, Then the account shifts in Acts to to Paul as sort of the center of gravity for the latter half of that. But Peter was the one who stood up and preached the very first sermon in church history, right? Um, If you, you know, as as I do, I think most people count the birth of the church at at Pentecost when Holy Spirit came. And so he stood up there and he, uh, represented the gospel in front of um, what you might call a very, well, it's a mixed crowd, let's say a hostile crowd, but, but a number of people, 3,000 were added. That's pretty good, first day. And that's no credit to Peter, though, right? But, <laughs> and that's the point. That's what we've been looking at. So we looked at uh, two weeks ago, and we see that humbling process that he had to go through where the Lord used those denials. Um, to expose to Peter in a very hard way the fact that, Peter, it's not your determination that's going to make the difference in the long run. I mean, right now, you're saying, I will die for you, right? And We're going to see that in our text. And he comes out at the arrest of Jesus. He comes out with a sword. He's going to go up against hundreds of men, you know, trained guards and soldiers, uh, battle hardened Roman soldiers as well, which I believe were part of that, that mix. Um, <clears throat> uh, that's, I mean, that's boldness, right? That's boldness. But there was a major flaw there, and that was his pride. You know? And he was confident in himself. And, uh, you know, that's an obvious thing when you see it in somebody else, but it's not so obvious in ourselves. And sadly, say that the Lord has to take. I think each believer uh, sometimes through multiple seasons of difficulty to bring us to that point where we, we really, truly recognize that we, of ourselves, we cannot persist and hold on to and 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 be all that we need to be for Christ. Right. <clears throat> sometimes uh, you know in in this I call it the overboiled gospel that's popular in a lot of churches where we talk about salvation as a past tense right so where were you saved right and 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 we kind of know what that means and you know but I'm always a little bothered by that, you know because the the fact is yeah maybe uh, well certainly God worked in my heart at some right but that process continues. Yeah. To now, right? As Larry said in his testimony, our testimonies are not just, you know, some moment that happened, you know, some years back, but what is God doing now? What has he brought me through all of these years? That's all part of our testimony. We're all part of, in the process of being saved and in various states of growth. So, you know, when you when you encounter somebody who's a uh, um, just one quick example, we're, we're working right now with uh, a CEF uh, chapter, there's a, a a young man who's come, he's in his early 20s, and he's very eager to serve. And he's he's got you know his involvement in the church over here and the Gideons over there, and he's eager to serve us plugging and everything. And and uh we're happy to have him on the committee, but after he left and we were talking about <clears throat> that, you know, the thing I said was we want to make sure he doesn't, you know, overcommit and burn out. And and uh and so when you see somebody who maybe was where you were 20 years ago, you don't want to, you remember what that was like, right? And enthusiasm and excitement. And and we talked to older Christians, and they almost seem condescending, and they're trying to temper that excitement with, guess what? There's some rough water ahead, right? Um, but 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 we're we're called to love each other, right? And be patient with each other. So when you encounter a Peter, you know, a younger Peter like this, who's just dogmatic and ready to go, and revved up and fired up, um, just just impart some grace, right? Just extend some grace, and um, let the Lord give you the right words to say at the right time, and just be there when when they fall and when they stumble.
2: Yeah.
0: We've been studying Jude uh, on our trip, and we finished that up, and right there at the very end of Jude, he's. He says, you know, he talks about <clears throat> on some who are doubting, you know, have patience, right? And and and, and go snatch others like a firebrand out of the fire, you know, and, and so forth. There's there's a there's a sense of of not, you know, um, yes, we come down hard on error, and false doctrine, but we need to be gracious with people. Be gracious with people. All right. Um, so there's there on your notes, we have those sort of seven steps down if you will or just i I called it a timeline um but it is it is definitely a descent peter thought he was getting stronger and better more committed as the years went along and in a sense he was but there was a chink in his armor, right and the same mouth that the holy spirit would use to save three thousand people on the day of pentecost was also the same mouth that just A few months earlier, had denied the Lord in a very strong way. Right? It wasn't. It wasn't any casual. It was very deliberate, very strong. And that is in all four Gospels. It talks about the denials of Peter. And so we saw in there. um, Point number two is Jesus's first prediction, and then point number five, right? Jesus's second prediction. Even the Lord Himself, He had to warn Peter twice. At two separate occasions, you're gonna deny me. And Peter was like, no, 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 no. These all of these others will, I will not, I'll die with you, right? And he was serious. Oh, yeah, he was serious. Yeah, he absolutely. He yeah, I'm sure he was completely yeah. uh genuine in, in his feelings that moment. All. all right, so it's a good warning to us, and then the warning from first Corinthians there at the very end, first Corinthians 10. We, So if you think you're standing firm, what? Be Be careful. careful. That's one of the standards. And many times Satan loves to take our gifting that God has given us to build up and edify his church and twist that around. the flesh likes to do that, too. I remember um, a preacher that we that I respect was talking about that one time. He said very, very often in his own life, like if for example, if he's a, 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 headline speaker at the conference, similar to what we just went to, right. Stand in front of thousands of people preach this message and everybody's like, Whoa, you know, that's awesome. You know, and they'll come up to you and they all wonderful things they say. And he says inevitably like the next day or, you know, if that's at, like a Saturday or Sunday and then here comes Monday, Tuesday. And then there's like this emotional, you know, and spiritual low point that comes after that, you know, and, Almost like Elijah. Remember Elijah, and yeah. Mount, Mount Carmel, and then he that that high point, and then here comes the threat from Jezebel, and he runs <laughs> scared. Um, through with us, okay. I think you get. It yeah, that,
1: that is an extreme to one side, but then there's an extreme to the other side where sometimes people don't need them to, for fear, for fear of messing up. Or for fear of not somewhat being successful, like, oh, I guess, in their endeavor to serve. know like I'm not going to teach because I don't teach. I don't have time to teach, or something, you know, or or someone to say, oh, I'm not going to. I'm not going to do that because I'm not good at that, you know. So there is a little bit. We can get to the other. Maybe teach. some of the other some of the other disciples may not have stepped up because Peter was so bold. And his, what he was saying, it was like, I'm not like Peter, so I'm going to kind of put my brakes on a little bit. Does that make sense? It does. You know, so we have to not be letting, we have to let the spirit work through our life and not let other people influence how we want to serve. Mm -hmm. I mean, because we all are supposed to serve. That's right. In one way or another doesn't have to be in something that's showy, but we all have to serve, so, uh, you know, I don't know, maybe the other disciples could have done more, does, does that make sense, kind of, you know, so, yep,
0: every road has two ditches, avoiding the one, you don't want to have, end up, <laughs> yeah, right, that's right, and it's almost like uh, what you said, we talked, touched on this last time, too, that there's kind of a an old testament counterpart to peter at which is moses right moses went through a very similar process of humbling although his took a lot longer 40 years on the back side of the desert right he tried to do it first in his own strength and that fell flat right he had to run for his life and 40 after 40 years of being a nobody on the it, it says that in text the backside. i mean the desert isolate enough but this is like you know the back side of the desert uh, God humbled him, and and but when, exactly like you're saying, when the call came, he was like, well, uh, I don't really, you know, I can't really, you know, the eventually got it. you kept kind of, look, I'm going to be with you, I'm with you, I'm with yeah. you. hear some signs, all of that, but please send somebody else, right? I'm going to come back to this mountain. Okay, your brother Aaron is coming, you know? <laughs> yeah, to come back to this mountain. Didn't want to believe the Lord there, he's so Good point, Erica. We don't want to do commit the other error either as well, right? Well, I've, I have failed. The Lord can't use me. Well, no, he can It's just and that's why I like the burning, burning bush illustration because if you're on fire for the Lord, if the bush had been on fire of its own, it had burned up. I see, I see. But it's the bush of the fire with the Lord. That makes all that little preposition change makes all the difference. And that's true with us, right? In 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 the strength that the Lord provides in his time, his wisdom, um you move out and you can be bold and do what he's called you to do. But you have to recognize, even as that's happening, um, this isn't just me. You know, I can't
2: take the glory of myself. Well even the failures that you go through are God ordained and they're profitable exactly.
0: Isn't it good to know that God is big enough to handle all of that, right? <laughs> Including our, our failures and our foibles and our sins. All right. So let's uh let's get into our text. Um unless we run out of time and have to postpone again. Rick, Rick is ready to get to chapter 14. I think my wife is totally saying, but I don't want to postpone that anymore. No um versus uh, let's let's back up to uh verse 33 because that's really where uh peter stops listening to the lord after verse 33 okay so let's let's get a running start because it's all connected here verse 33 uh uh, remember judas has been dismissed he says now the son of man is glorified and god is going to be glorified in him the father and the son are about to be glorified through the cross verse 33 First time we see this little phrase in John, we're going to see it again in 21, little children. And that is a diminutive term. It does mean little children. Yet a little while I am with you, you will seek me. And just as I said to the Jews, so now I say, I also say to you where I'm going, you cannot come. Peter and the rest of the disciples evidently stopped listening at that point. They don't hear 34 and 35. So, Jesus is going to have to come back to this point and reiterate this point multiple times because they're distracted. Just their emotion, you know emotions go, right? It's really hard to listen when your emotions, your fear, or maybe your excitement, or your anger, or whatever it is, when your emotions are very strong, it's hard to really listen and concentrate. Um, so the Lord comes back to them to this point, but he does say in verse 34 and 35, a new commandment I give you that you love one another. Just as I have loved you, you also are to love one another. <laughs> By this, all people will know you are my disciples. We have love for one another. That That's such an important point because he's going away, right? And in the place of the Lord Jesus we step in in his name and we love each other in his place, right? In fact, he's going to go on to say later, That's how you can prove to be my disciples, right? And here, uh, this is the witness that the world will see that you have love for one another. People who don't normally or shouldn't normally get along, get along, they love each other, uh, and and uh, but Peter doesn't hear that, right? So we go on to verse 36. Simon Peter said to him, Lord, where are you going? Jesus answered him, where I am going, you cannot follow me now, but you will follow afterward. Peter said to him, Lord, why can I not follow you now? I will lay down my life for you. Jesus answered, will you lay down your life for me? Listen up, Peter, truly, truly, right? Pay attention. I say to you, the rooster will not crow till you have denied me three times. Even though he says it forcefully or or prefaces what he's going to predict there, that's a a prediction of the future in a few hours. Even though he prefaces it with that truly, truly, Peter still doesn't believe it, right? As we saw in our timeline, Jesus is going to need to say that again in the garden. All right, so let's break this down. Uh, Simon Peter, notice uh, twice actually here, he calls him what? What does Peter call Jesus? Lord. 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 Keep in mind all that's happened up to this point too, right? They, they were exuberant with all the crowds and the enthusiasm as Jesus rode into the temple. It's been multiple days that he's been in the temple. He's put all of the various leaders in their place, right? You can you can read this from all the gospels, and they're just like man, everything's clicking, clicking, it's clicking. People are excited. They're you know, even though he's in the temple and the leaders hate him and they want to arrest him for fear of the crowds, they can't do it because again, read all the gospels. They're fired up about Jesus, and the disciples enter into that upper room, and they're just it's coming, man, it's it's here. It's maybe right after Passover. He's going to take the throne, right? And then they're arguing about who's the greatest, and he has to rebuke them of that. And then he has to—he washes their feet, and he has that conversation with Peter, you know. And 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 then and then there's this sadness that the Lord has in the midst of this, in the disciples' mind, this joy, and he talks about one of them is going to betray him. Now, remember, John told us that they don't know yet that Judas was dismissed for that purpose, right? They still don't know that yet. So they don't really know why it is that the Lord is, you know, uh, who among them it is, you know, that that's going to betray him. They know Judas has been dismissed, but then he hits them with that gut punch in 33. And remember, when we studied that, we we looked back, uh, uh, at chapter seven and eight, twice in those chapters, John records that he did, in fact, tell the Jews, which are his enemies, I'm going to where well, you cannot come. I remember that in the context, uh, after they insulted him and everything, and we broke that whole thing down. What Jesus is saying is, I'm going to heaven and you're not going, right? And so here, Jesus ties that statement to the disciples here, and they are devastated. They have no idea what to make of that. What are you talking about? And now Jesus predicts Peter will deny him specifically. And I'm wondering, I I don't know, but I Mm -hmm. I can imagine that their minds are swirling trying to make sense of all that's happening. It just and look like like things are going in this direction. And now they're going like, what is happening? the plane was taking off, and we were doing, we were gaining altitude, and we were looking great. And all of a sudden, we're smoked, and we're headed down to the ground, right? Um, so they are very devastated, and that's why in chapter, in the next chapter, the first verse is, "Let not your hearts be troubled." Right? So Peter is trying to make, and Peter, as the spokesperson person for the disciples. There's a lot of buzzing, actually. I think that that mm-hmm. when Jesus spoke those words at the beginning of chapter 14, he had to speak up a little bit. Let not your hearts be troubled. We often think of as kind of maybe maybe we don't, but I think of it as a soft, I think he had to because there was a lot of conversations and whispering. You know what I'm saying? There's just this emotional How do you know? Cycle.
1: How do you know that's there?
0: Like I said, I don't know, but I'm uh, based on their emotions and based on what I know. Human well, required quiet. They're, they're not going to sit there and be quiet. Plus, many other disciples speak up. Peter's the first one to speak up. We're going to hear from Philip. We're going to hear from Thomas um, uh, throughout the early part of chapter 14. Uh, I know that's, uh, uh, I said Thomas, but I think it's, yeah, no, Thomas, Thomas in verse five, and then Philip. Um, so the, the, the various disciples are speaking up, and we hear from some that we don't normally hear from, right? Which again leads me to think, babes, that that's why they were all upset. Okay, and the 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 you there, he's not talking to Peter. The you is plural, so he's not just saying, "Okay, Peter, I just told you you're going to deny me." Now, Peter, don't let your heart be troubled. He's talking to all of them. Okay, and the and the word hearts is plural as well. Okay, so they were all very troubled emotionally. And and so anyway, Peter is. He's addressing him as Lord, right? He's had to go through this process of of what he thought was going to happen with what the Lord has told him and he knows that he's Lord and Messiah and so there's a sense of humility there but there's still some pride behind that, right? There's still some pride. He doesn't want to believe this. Lord, where are you going? They've been leaning on him this whole time and now... You've connected us to the Jews, all right, so it's fine to tell your enemies, okay, you guys aren't going where I'm going, but we're with you, right? We're following you. you you know and now and now we say we can't. Jesus answered, where now, I love this. Here's some grace, right? Because the Lord now goes back to explain verse thirty three in more detail. He says, "Where I am going, you cannot follow me what no. now, ah. So it's not, you guys aren't, I'm not lumping you in with those Jews, those enemies of of mine who have rejected me and are on their way to hell. Okay. I'm not putting you there necessarily. There is a similarity in the sense that I am leaving all of this, right? I'm leaving you guys and I'm leaving them, but there's coming a time in the future Where you can follow me the rest of that verse, right? But you will follow me what afterward, Okay. As I got to thinking about it when I first studied this some time back in more detail, I got to thinking, well, where is Jesus going now? That Peter will go later. The cross. The cross. Yeah. That's what gave me the first clue, the inkling. And then I began to see it in the rest of John as well, of that idea of the way of the cross, right? That everybody, there's a sense in which Peter represents here as the spokesperson, every believer, right? There's a sense in which when you come to the Lord and there's that initial excitement. But you find out that the direction eventually that he wants you to go may and probably isn't what you thought it was at first right? What do you mean there's these difficulties? What do you mean that I have to suffer loss of friends or maybe a job or, or in some cases, loss of life, even? loss of property? You know, the writer of Hebrews says that, you know, to, to those people that they lost their property. Peter as well himself writes
3: to believers that have been under persecution. Okay. Um, yeah, uh, you know, uh we as people and their they're just like we are. They're sinners. Um, mm-hmm. Sometimes we hear what we want to hear. Yeah. See, and I've, I've I've just I've I've read this one time before, and I, was, and I it just rebounded on me. It says, "Where I'm going now, you cannot follow." They may not even hurt now. I mean, Peter did because he acknowledged it, and then, but you will follow later. So what I'm saying is they, that crushing. You know, what I'm saying is sometimes you hear it, but it don't sink in. The first part of the sentence was like, "That was a blow." So you know what I'm saying if they were that, that was a crushing blow for them. So I'm not saying again, paraphrasing, putting my own thought in, but I know as a, a people sometimes we only hear what we want to hear. And so they didn't want to hear that, but I'm saying maybe that's on oh, some of them, that's all they heard <laughs> the second part. And I'm not jumping into 14, but I love it when he, at 14, he maps it out for them. You know, he tells them that there's a room on my father's house, blah, blah, blah. He's talking about the comforter, stuff like that. So he blows them with this, and then he goes, but this is what's going yeah, So that is, I mean, I, I just think that it, that's a, a, a lesson for myself. Not to be so jumpy into what he's trying to say to me, but continue to read and see what else he has for me. Exactly. That's a great point. Great point. You know, that's that is um,
0: when you read these four chapters, you'll see the same point pop up again and again and again. And, and it's, it's, it, they're, they're like, uh, and I, I started working on some notes and I need to finish that. What are the themes that are here? But these themes are woven like threads, like uh, threads of a a rope or something interwoven within each other. In other words, he doesn't tell you everything there is to know about the Holy Spirit. Move on to, let me tell you about heaven. Move on to, you know, y'all need to love each other. Move on to there's persecution coming. What he does instead is he brings up, I'm going to prepare a place for you. And then there's the Holy Spirit. And then He goes goes into this abiding idea, you know, stay with me. My words abide in you and love each other, right? These these themes appear and then disappear and replace with something else again and again. But he continues to hammer those same themes again and again at various points. And I think it's because of what you said that they weren't their, their minds are swirling trying to grab all this and their emotions are nuts, okay? And so he has to reiterate these points again and again and come back to these things to help them uh, make sense of it. Does that make sense? Because you're right. Somebody will say something, and you 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 know, you'll hear that, and you're still thinking about that, but they said some other things, right? And then you join them later, and that's how that's how we listen. So a smart speaker will often repeat the main point again and again in various places just to get it through to the audience. Mm. Okay. Um, but, all right, so let's continue. So he's going to the cross. Where's he going after that? To the, to, the grave. to the grave and then to the father, right? Ultimately to the father. What's interesting is as we proceed through here, especially when we get to chapter 17, the high priestly prayer jesus really isn't like fixated on the cross as his destination it's like the cross is this stop this milestone on the way to his final destination which is the father okay and that i mean that makes sense with with the same with us and so that's why I like I like to call it the way of the cross, because the cross for the believer is not the end game Amen. any more than the cross was the end game for Christ. You know, that's what bothers me about crucifixes, you know, as if as if Jesus is still on the cross and there he should be forever. You know, we just see him there on the cross. Mm-hmm. No, make that thing empty. That's right. You know, that's right. Amen. It's an empty cross and empty. Tomb and the throne is occupied. That's where he is going. And that's where believers are going as well. <laughs> um, back in chapter 10, I am the way. Well, I am the door for the sheep. Sorry. Right. We haven't gotten it. I'm the way. You're with your child. <laughs> the blindly and the blind will both end up in the ditch. Um, but we'll come out. Yes. But in chapter 14, he's going to come back to that point, right? I am the way, right? So, yes, you're right. But in chapter ten, I am the door for the sheep, right? Remember, we talked about the door. He is the means. Where's the door leading to? The Father, mm-hmm. right? That's where. That's what Jesus is doing. We come to Him, and 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 yet He is even Himself is not the end point. The end point of all the end goal of all this is that He prepares us and gets us uh, ready and complete, and then. Paul says this in Ephesians, he will present us before God. That's 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 where we're headed, okay? That's where Peter's, that's where the Lord is headed, that's where Peter's headed, that's where all believers are headed. But unfortunately, for Peter, there is a real cross coming, okay, just like Jesus, okay, but not now, right? Not now. So in his grace, the Lord explains this. No, guys, I'm, what I, I don't mean for you to think that like I told my enemies, you're not going to heaven with me. That's not what's happening here. It's that right now you cannot come with me, but you will follow afterward. Okay, so look at verse 37. This is uh, where we are, point three on our notes now. <clears throat> um, Peter said to him, Lord, again, there it is again. Why can I not follow you now? I will lay down my life for you. He's ready to go right then, right? I don't know that Peter really knew necessarily what the Lord, where exactly he was going, even though the Lord told him, right? The Lord had told him on a number of occasions that he would be betrayed into the hands of sinners, that he would be uh, crucified and, and lifted up, okay, and three days rise again. I think Peter was more focused on notice who's doing the action there in his statement. So we have his question why can't I follow you now? But then what's his statement? Kind of answers his own question. I am ready to do this. You see that? Where's the humility there? Where's the okay Lord you, you I don't understand that but that's not what I would have chosen, but I'm ready. You know, no, no, I, I'm, I'm ready to follow you to death. I'm ready to go right now. And then later on, like we saw in our time, <laughs> John doesn't record this, but the other gospels do. He's so insistent in that he's still persisting in it, even after they leave the upper room and they walk through the darkest streets of Jerusalem. They cross over the kindred Brook and they're headed into the Garden uh, of Gethsemane, uh, which means olive press, right? So they're 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 headed up the Mount of is there. Even then, he's still insistent on that. And though, even though these other guys, I won't abandon. I will lay down my life for you. I'm not sure that he necessarily means to, to say, I'll go to the cross with you. He's just focused on his devotion to the Lord. And then what does the Lord say to him? Verse 38. Jesus answered, will you lay down your life for me? Will you really? It's interesting. You know, he could have Peter. No, you won't, right? He could have really come at him. He's the Lord. He'd come at him with a direct statement. But I love the grace in how the Lord phrases that. He put it back in his ear. Peter, will you really? You know, there's there's grace. There's a lesson in that too. Um, You'll follow. You follow the questions that the Lord asks. In in the Gospels, um, uh, there's there's Paul picks up on this too with Philemon. You know, when, whenever you have something hard that you need to say to somebody, sometimes the the phraseology can can really help with that. And there's some good lessons there. Of uh, um, will you really? Else? so there's some wisdom in that. Um, but so then then he makes this statement. Truly, truly, like I said earlier. This is uh, Peter. <laughs> amain, amain. Listen up. I say to you, the rooster will not crow till, uh, till you have denied me, not once, not twice, three times. Okay? Uh, the emphasis of three in scripture is, is as strong as it gets. Okay? Uh, when something is repeated twice like truly truly here that's very strong when it's repeated three times i heard this at the conference one of the preachers saying that you know it's like good better best you know it really really amps it not only emphasizes it but it really amplifies the strength of it right so peter you're not just going to whisper a few casual denials you're really going to deny me in a very strong forthright bold way that is anything but the loyalty that you're showing right and when we study when you study those denials you see that you know, peter gets to the point where in his denials where he In English translations, it says he curses, right? And uh, when I was a kid, I used to read that, and I thought it was four-letter words, you know. But what he's really doing is he's cursing like the Jews would curse. Then what they would do is they would say effectively, may God damn me to hell if what I'm saying is not the truth. He didn't say it at first, but he works his way up to that. So by that final denial, that's what he's saying. You know, it says it's called curse it down. Meaning, meaning, God judge me if I'm not saying the truth, right? You get the force of that very strong, very strong tonight. Okay, um, that's that's it. We're we're done with these these notes here. Any thoughts? Um,
3: questions? No, yeah. We'll get there. No. Go ahead we know we're talking about his denials and and you know it's it leads up to in 14 but <clears throat> i feel for peter you know he's scared you know he loves the lord you you know that you see that but he's scared he gets in these positions where they're there he is afraid even though we he saved he's his life down for him that he's afraid that's really what's gonna happen if they catch him and he don't deny you know? Yeah. And so he is afraid that's what's going to happen to me. And at that point, he wasn't ready. He said he was ready. But if, when it comes up to that point on 14, he's not ready. not ready. And I look at him because he's he's a human being. He has a sinful heart. He has a scare, He has a right. of emotions. And all these emotions are running. And they're seeing what they're, they're getting ready to do to him. And, and I'm not saying what he did is correct. But put yourself in his your shoes. You know, you're scared for your life. You're scared for your life, and then you know he gets that first denial. But what tears me up is, and it, you know, I think that as soon as he denied him the third time, Jesus made super eye contact with him. Mm-hmm. You know, and he knew right then, I have really messed up. I I love you, and I've really shamed you, but the the the, the scaredness and all that. Gets overshadowed over Trump by the broken heart that he feels for what he did his Savior. And I, I, that's it's it's a it's so that is such a deep this this study we're going to do when we get into the night denials and stuff that is really deep. And if you can put yourself in his shoes and, and kind of try to feel what he's doing, not again, I say it's not right, but you know, there may come a time that we are going to have to say, Do are we going to deny him? That's right are we going to stand for him? That's right. And see, Peter just didn't catch concept of that. If he if he dies for him at this moment, he's with him eternity. See, I just don't think he understood that. We have the Bible. We have the words. We know that. Somebody come in here right now and said, Hey, I'm going to kill you, or you denounce Jesus Christ as your Savior. I'm hoping that I'm going to say, Okay, cut my head off or whatever, because whatever it will be, it will be with him. And I just think—I know it sounds a little graphic—but I just think that, that his his heart. I, I I just feel for him. You know, he was always the one who was doing this, and he didn't say a word then. Yeah, when the Lord
0: looked at him on that third yeah. day, you can almost see the Lord looking in that text. I mean, it's just like cameras—you know, they do it right into his eyes. You know, yeah, it appeared like that. But, you know, uh, a lot of believers, and you're right, <laughs> I've heard people saying you probably have wondered yourself, when you hear stories um, of, of, of people like uh, we've been listening to in our ministry conference, of uh, people who um, uh, were persecuted, you know, put into really awful situations where deny the, deny the faith, or we're going to kill you, or we're going to uh, Rank your family and whatever else, all of these kind of hard things. And we wonder, you know, would I be able to stand there? The real question is, are you walking with the Lord now, right? Uh, those, those smaller tests, because if you're faithful in a little, you'll be faithful. And, and, but like Peter, and again, I think this is why I try to make this point heavily in our notes here, is that like Peter, there's no way, you know, the same story The same grace and Holy Spirit and word of God that you depend on in your day-by-day walk with Christ is the same power that you draw on in moments like that. And if you're not faithful then, if you're not practicing that then, you're not growing in your faith then, and you're a big part of growing in our faith, by the way, is not realizing that we're getting stronger, but realizing just how weak we really are. And how big God really is. You know, I think that's where the strength really lies for, for Peter later, many, many years later. When he was, and he had to, my tradition tells us that he had to watch his wife be crucified first. And he told her, remember the Lord. Right? Mm-hmm. In that moment, remember him. Right? Not only remember his example, but remember the strength that he drew down on. And Peter himself writes about that, right? He said, he says that that the word is our example. Um, and, and and who who consider him who endured such opposition from sinful men, right? And kept, and it didn't answer them, but he kept entrusting himself to him who judges justly. That's the key. That's the key. That's where Peter went wrong here in the denials and where he later found his strength and boldness is in is trusting God to be bigger than the circumstances that I see in front of me, which are terrifying. God is bigger than that. And it takes time to get there. It takes the Holy Spirit and his work.
2: Thoughts? I was thinking um, while you were speaking on that, how I would respond if the Lord told me the same thing um, Peter kept insisting it wasn't going to happen but we know the Lord we know his word and we know he wouldn't make a statement like that if it wasn't true and how would I respond to that what would I that would be an emotional bombshell I think to know that and yet we do know from the Scripture the Lord has made it clear that we are steeped in sin, we sin, we do things. The two examples in Scripture that really encourage me, my walk, and my disobedience is the example of David and Peter. Both are extreme examples. I've been there, and yet God in His infinite mercy and grace um, restores us. Yes. And He's really, He's so very, very good. It's good to know God is
0: bigger
3: than our failures. Yeah, because we have a lot. Of, part of it, you got to realize it. Mm-hmm. Well, let's close, JP. Good to see you guys. Let's close in prayer.
0: Heavenly Father, it's it's a it's good to look at this. And um James says that your word is like a mirror that we look in. And uh, provided that the mirror is clean, we can oftentimes maybe don't like what we see. When we look at Peter's life and examine this um, stage of his growth, we can see ourselves and we wonder how we would handle these types of situations. But we thank you that we don't have to draw down on our own strength uh, in those moments or at any moment that we encounter difficulties in life or uh, joys, good circumstances, uh, but through it all that you are our Lord uh, and that you are big enough to take any of the circumstances that come our way, even our own sin and our own failures, and to make out of us what you want us to be In the end, so that as Jude says, as he closes his book, he is able, you are able to make us stand in the presence of your glory, blameless with great joy. And it's your work to bring each believer to that point of perfection and pleasure to you. And it's your glory that we give you. Help us to stand firm in humility. To recognize that our witness, our effectiveness is not in ourselves, but in the grace that you provide. Help us to walk with you even tonight. And this coming week, for your glory, bless the service. Now we pray, break time, and then then this evening as well as we gather around your table. Jesus, thank you. Amen.